Hi, this is Fernand Chatter, and today we're talking to Julia Sinclair Brown. How are you today? Hi, hi there, um, David. Yeah, I'm Julia Sinclair Brown, and I'm bereavement coach and trainer. Yeah, it's lovely to to hear from you, um, and hopefully we'll learn all about a lot about you and your your, your project and your coursework. Um, so, can you can you just give us uh, just tell us you know, who you are and, and a bit about yourself and your business? Yeah, of course. Yes. Um, well, I've had a, a mixed bag sort of background. Um, I, I started out um, originally in working in the in the holistic field. Um, I, I qualified as a as a counsellor, therapist, and sort of went down that therapeutic um, line of work. But then moved into more corporate business setting and worked in HR, learning and development, training. Um, and, and my life sort of changed a bit, particularly when I left London, I had a son, and I started working from home as a career coach. And it was during this time when my son was actually very young, that um, I started to lose close family members. It was a five year period where um, I just had a series of bereavements. It was a really, really difficult time for me. And I recognized that I wasn't coping. After trying to ignore it, I, I recognized that I really had to address it. And I and I did, and I started therapy for myself and really went on a journey of healing, I would say, from grief. And um, I, I sort of carried on and, 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 and felt at this time that maybe there was something I wanted to do in this field of supporting others who've been through grief, but actually pushed that away for quite a long time and just carried on with my career work. And then it was only a couple of years ago when my dad actually became very ill, had a, had a serious fall, and I had some time off, and I started writing what was to originally be a book, but it then became a course. I decided I, I was going to write a course um, in bereavement where I could support people with something that they could do in their own time at home um, to help them through the early days, weeks, months when grief can be... The, well, when it's so raw, it's so painful, and when we probably then need the most help. Um, and so I've been working on that course and um, very excited that that'll be coming out later on this year. Um, in the meantime, I also set up my business Evolvida, where I offer one-to-one bereavement therapy um, coaching style to my clients. And actually, I have to say, in this period of lockdown, I've also taken a bit of time out to reflect on what I want to do next with my business, whether I want to carry on doing the one-to-ones or take it in a different um, avenue. And something that really has expired for me, um, and I've done quite a bit of research on this, has been that I think a lot of employers are struggling to know how to deal with people who are bereaved. And, and what highlighted that has been the pandemic. And there is more grief and loss around in, in a more, I mean, that, and also in, a, in a, gen, a generic way besides bereavement itself. But um, speaking to people, doing some research, I realized I think there's a real gap. And whilst lots of employers are really um, understanding the benefits of good mental health now in the workplace and seeing the importance of keeping their staff well, I still think there's not enough around the area of grief. Um, and that's probably because, well, it, I'd say largely we are in a grief-averse culture. People don't like to talk about it. So when it happens, nobody really knows how to handle it. So I've decided that I think that is something that will be very much needed by employers, not just because of the pandemic, but I think there's been this gap for a long time. And it's so this period of lockdowns made me think about that more and how I can 
help those employers with with staff who are maybe bereaved from from covid but also just in in life anyway we're all gonna we're all gonna face loss at some point and i think because i've got my hr training coaching background i felt like i could put all of that together and um build that other branch into my business so that's currently where i'm at with um with my work yeah sorry sorry to hear about the loss of your your father i can imagine that was quite a uh, an emotional time for you um yes. do you feel yes. that you've learned a lot um from that and stuff that you can sort of put yourself into people's positions and and know how they feel yeah, absolutely um yeah i mean having lost you know a few family members um i I absolutely understand what people are going through with loss and um, that's what really led me to write this course because I felt that there's so much that's misunderstood and there's so many myths around grief and lots around the difficulty of people not knowing what to say and I just thought I wanted to help people in that way to, to know how to maybe access support um, and to find ways for themselves to cope, and a, a, a lot of a lot of the way of getting through grief is finding our own learning and coping mechanisms. And sometimes we, we don't know until maybe we've, we're given some um, some pointers and some direction in how we can do that. So, yeah, I, absolutely, what I have been through has been very much my own sort of learning and um, from, from that experience I've used that along with my own research with other grief therapists and um, and, and grief theory to to really put something together that I, I believe can be really beneficial for people. Yeah definitely I mean that, that's going to be you know advantageous people lots of bereavement coaches you know no disrespect but I can imagine they don't go through a lot of the the experiences that um that they talk about so it's very difficult to sort of empathize with the person that you're actually teaching so having gone through it yourself has a, a big um a bigger a big advantage but certainly you you can you can certainly empathize with the people that you're talking with um we we talked about well you mentioned about um businesses going through this the same sort of dealing with with um their staff who are going through lots of trauma um at, at the moment on top of general life i guess it would be good what well, we can we can put in something at the end so that businesses can then get in touch with you is that or so you know if they feel that they need to have some kind of external help they can come and get in touch with you absolutely yeah i very much hope that any organization that may be struggling um at the moment maybe with someone who is um taking some time off for bereavement but but also importantly um something else that I, I feel is important for organizations is to have in place something like a bereavement policy because what happens when somebody in their organization um, has to take time off for bereavement a lot of the time what happens is people don't really know what to do who to turn to uh, managers don't know what to do HR don't know what to do so there's if there's no policy nobody really knows how much time off that person should have um, what paid leave they might be entitled to that's another thing that people often ask about what are bereavement um, payments and, and entitlements and there is a new law that just came into place in April this year um, which is parental leave for um, a child under the age of 18 
two weeks parental leave. But aside from that, everything else is very much discretionary yeah. down to the organisation, what they want to do. So um, I, I do think organisations need guidance and um, to know what to do. But there's also other reasons for organisations to have in place something that's a little bit more solid and robust. And um, in some of the things that I've come across and um, what I feel are reasons for an employer to um, have this training would be because staff feel so much more valued when they feel looked after yeah. by their employer. This It can reduce um, stress, it can reduce anxiety, um, it can reduce sick leave, the amount of time that people need to take off. So hopefully they can return to work quicker. It maintains good working relationships and also keeps the workplace more productive. So there, I, I know it sounds um, in a way ridiculous to talk about, but besides the emotional benefits that, uh, and the aspect of a duty of care that employers do have to their employees, and we can see that now with mental health, that's coming up more and more. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a business benefit as well. Yeah. Know, the bottom line is to a business, there, there is a business benefit to having their employee who's who knows the job, who's trained by them, who is um, an asset to the company. They, they want to have them back at work and productive as soon as they can be. Um, so, so there's the emotional aspect of it, of wanting to look after your staff member, but also there is a business benefit to organizations as well. Definitely, and yeah. And know that they're doing the right thing as well, to, to be making sure you are, you are following good practice. Yeah, I mean, you've got to value your, your staff as much as your customers, you know, the, the, if you don't have staff that are, are working well and looked after then you just don't get the the productivity from from them absolutely 100 percent. and actually there was some research carried out only last year with sue Ryder, the um charity that deals with uh, the palliative neuro and neurological um care end of life care and um their stats are actually quite alarming they say only nine percent of employees felt supported through yeah. bereavement that's a staggeringly low figure. It is, yeah. You know, we need to increase that figure, definitely. Um, if people are feeling that way, it means they're going back to work, possibly before they're ready to go back to work. They're also maybe in a role that isn't right for them anymore because employers might need to consider job roles and functions and adapt them accordingly. So there's, there's so many reasons why an employer should want to put that support into place for somebody who's, who's a valued member of their team. Yeah. Well, talking about bereavement then, um, what would you say to someone who is uh, grieving and unable to attend uh, a loved one's funeral because they're, they're forced to self-isolate? Yeah, this is, I think, extremely difficult and um, there's almost like no words to, um, to say to someone in that situation because it's so, so difficult. Um, I think that there are, there are ways in which we can try to make this just a little bit more bearable for someone. And I, and I think really what, what I wanted to say there was rituals, sorry, funerals are a, a very important part of the grieving process Yeah. in, in terms of it being a, a ritual that people can plan and um, it, it's like a formal goodbye to their loved one that they share with family and friends. So then to not be able to have that is um, is really, really upsetting. So, but there are things I would suggest in this case. And um, I know some people are starting to do it. So 
it might be the possibility that you could have the funeral stream so you could film the service mm-hmm. um, people are using Facebook lives to do this or maybe videos where you can play it back later and I would say to somebody who is currently at home while the funeral is taking place maybe you can set aside some time to have your own private goodbye or your memorial at home so this might mean looking at pictures play some of the person's favorite music you could write them a message light a candle or just follow any of your own cultural cultural rituals that make it feel that in some way somehow you are there with them at that moment um and I would say also in in for those people if there have been other family members or friends who have been able to attend because obviously the numbers um, are very small but a few people can attend with the social distancing yeah. um, ask them if they could call you afterwards to give you an account of the event take time to share your memories of the person with them and then I would suggest maybe a time later on when lockdown is eased and we can relatively go back to something normal that um, that could be a good time then to plan a proper memorial with family and friends where you can commemorate and celebrate that person's life together in the way that you would have done for a funeral yeah it's going to be going to be weird having a a delayed wake i can imagine is going to have a take on a different um ethos i guess because when when you have the awake right after the funeral you have a lot of the raw emotions and that so but if you then wait two or three months and then have a wake it's going to take on a completely different role it's going to be a very different retrospective kind of look isn't it yeah it will be it, it, it won't be the same and and as i say the, the the importance of funerals as rituals are significant in the grieving process um and it's something that you know we expect to do for somebody. So to not be able to be there, to be present and have that delayed, yes, I, I do think it can potentially cause problems. That there, may, there may be delayed grief because of it. And I think there, for some people right now, there is delayed grief because of the pandemic anyway, because we're living in a fearful world at the moment. There is a lot of anxiety around of what, what's going to happen next and how we're going to cope. And also, we may be worried for our own safety, safety of, of other loved ones. So um, I think some people may be feeling this whole thing of there are greater things um, at large right now than my own personal grief. Yeah. But I would say to anybody who's in that situation, never ever belittle what your grief is for you and to try to find some way to um, express how you're feeling um, now you know don't, don't wait for the memorial or the funeral or the or the service later on to be the time that you grieve it, you know do do it now and um, find people that you can that can talk to you that you can call you can share and obviously there's a lot of social media contact now um, do connect with family and friends right now because you do need their support and I know that people are struggling with their own personal issues as well so people may not be as available right now but there are also some amazing online support groups where um, people are sharing their grief stories and and I have seen that um, there are also grief stories during the pandemic and, and because of of it so I'd say 
possibly if that if that's something that you think will help try and join some of these online groups i know that crews are still of um working their helplines um the government have set up the good samaritan scheme where they are um supporting people with phone calls not so much for grief but people that are struggling with being on their own but um absolutely it's still um i say a resource and and i have posted also on my facebook page i have said to anyone who is really struggling right now if they need someone to talk to please get in touch with me um i i just really hate the idea of anybody struggling alone and they've got nobody to talk to when they want to talk to someone so um yeah please get in contact with me as well um and the, and the other thing i think i would say here is whereas before in normal times of grieving um, there are so many great support groups around so many organizations that offer specialized grief support actually and obviously a lot of that isn't available right now because because we're, we're isolating but um one thing I, th I think is important so as i say reach out to people where you can but also don't forget try and look after yourself as well and and that means do things that make you feel as as well as you possibly can in this period so mm -hmm. try to rest um Try, try to you know sleep well don't watch don't overwatch the news because that can really affect anxiety levels so you know, it might be once a day check in of course see what's going on i understand everyone wants to know what's going on in the world but don't, don't read everything you see there's a lot of fake news going around um try to make sure you keep hydrated it's important we actually forget not drinking enough water can actually make us feel depressed and we can associate um or we can rather disassociate um, that fact so keep hydrated try to eat just small portions of nutritious food if you can um get fresh air if you're able to go out or at least sit in the garden get some fresh air every day or at least have your windows open in your house um so do what you can do to support yourself in this yeah. difficult time and reach out where you can um when you know when it when it feels if you feel you want to talk to someone try to reach out to different groups and um maybe use this time to practice some journaling techniques as well so get get writing just or find some other creative outlet something that allows you to express yourself in a well, way that you, you allows you to at least yeah sort of to, to to cope with some of those emotions of grief that you you might be feeling right now so, so my point is don't wait you don't need to wait until the memorial service to to grieve then start doing it now that the sooner you start in a way the better yeah you do you do need to um yeah i mean i've just funny enough i've just started doing a an, an art journaling course um filming for for someone else who's actually making them um, so and that's proving quite popular so you know there are there are courses and things out there so for people to to try these activities and things yeah absolutely I, I, yeah and i and i do say that to people as well you know it it's um when grief catches you maybe maybe unawares or maybe something you thought was you you predicted that person was going to die soon but the the, the issue is you you're in a situation where if you've never experienced grief before god it, it throws you off balance yeah. and when you're in a time like that in your life um you you might need to do something differently and and i think so i try, I, try, I do try to say that to people 
you know, maybe you've never done something before, but maybe it is the right time to try something new now. Um, because if it, you don't, you don't know what's going to work for you and what's going to help. So whilst I say, I do talk to, I do mention a lot about, um, sort of making lists about what, what helps you and what doesn't help you. But I do try to suggest in, to keep an open mind, at least, to something new. Maybe you've never done it before. For example, maybe meditation, something you've never done before and um, you don't know how to do it. But if you're suffering with a lot of anxiety with your grief, then actually that, kind, that could be something that, that could help you. Mm-hmm. To follow um, a a meditation sequence, or it might it might be easier with somebody talking, telling you what to do, or a guided relaxation journey. But um, yeah, just keep an open mind as to what might help you right now. Yeah, just something different as well. Just yeah. sort of takes yeah. you um, a change from your normal routine as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Julia, what would you say to someone who's having to support someone who's actually in the process of grieving at the moment? Okay. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm, and I'm glad you asked me because so many people um, talk about feeling helpless, actually, when they see that their their loved one is struggling with a bereavement. And um, again, I think this goes back to this whole thing I mentioned earlier that our, our culture is quite grief averse. So we never really know quite what to say. The biggest advice I can give to anyone here is just be yourself. Be loving be kind, be patient, be compassionate and understanding. That is all anybody could ever ask from a friend, a relative in their grief. Just be yourself. Um, You don't need to be clever and come up with reasons why you thought the person may have died. And what I hear an awful lot of, and I also experience it myself, is the the empty platitudes. And I have to say they are the worst thing that somebody can hear. You know, the things like, um, it was meant to be, they're in a better place. And I know people mean well by that. I know the intention is good, but it doesn't come across like that to the the griever. It comes across as insensitive, um, uncaring, and, and like you're trying to fix them. And I think that is the the biggest thing I can say to somebody is do not try to fix somebody else's grief because you can't. It's not fixable. In time, hopefully that person will heal and they will move forward. Moving forward does not mean to say that you move on and you forget about the person that you've loved. But in time, generally, grief does get easier. So just be there with them on on their journey with grief. Be there to support them the whole way Sometimes you can't say anything at all. And sometimes, and I know we can't do this right now, but a hug, a touch of a hand says a thousand words. Um, sometimes there are just no words that are needed. You just need to be there. You need to sit there. And right now that might mean maybe just phoning that person and, um, and offering comfort rather than, as I say, trying to fix the problem of what they should be doing, how they should be maybe trying to make themselves feel better is just let them talk let them talk let them share their memories let them cry share your memories with them tell them the the fun about the funny times you remember this person tell them around around happy happy times or just just whatever it is just share your memories and so just a few phrases i was thinking about for this that are more helpful to somebody are things like this 
I don't know what to say to you right now, but I'm so sorry to hear this news. Or I'm so sorry for your loss. You are in my thoughts. Or um, he or she will be so missed. They were so special. You are in my thoughts. I wish I could be there with you right now to give you a hug. Now, that's much more comforting than trying to come up with some sort of, let's say, some, some clever comment or what you think is a, is a comforting phrase about, about them being in a better place, etc. Um, just try to maybe, if you can, put yourself in their shoes. Think about what you would want to hear if, if you were going through that yourself. And as I say, more, just, just importantly, be yourself, be who you are. That, that's all they need from you right now. They don't need clever answers and they don't need to be fixed. So um, just at the heart of it all, just be compassionate and show love. That's the, that's really all I can advise, just show love. Yeah, that's some good advice. Um, right at, at the beginning, we, we did talk about businesses and, and the, um, the the effects of dealing with uh, the staff and the, the losses and bereavements of, uh, of the, the employees. I mean, how can organisations support members of, of staff at this time? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I think there are things that employers can do and um, such things that might include good practice could be do absolutely offer your condolences. Assure the employee that they don't need to come to work if they don't want to right now um, and that make it clear that work should be second for them ask them how they'd like to keep in touch now I think this is really important people sometimes assume they don't check in with the person to see what works best for them so um, ask them do they want to keep in touch by phone by email by video you don't know where that person is at right now so just find out just simple question um, also ask if there's any important work they need someone else to cover if appropriate um, and then after the conversation, maybe follow up with an email or call them in a few days' time just to um, keep the communication going um, and, and try to try to remain calm, empathic, so that they feel supported and, and you're trying to ease their anxiety about work or returning to work too early. Um, so I would say yeah, make sure you, you keep in touch with them when they are off. Um, checking in the first few days is important. And you know, and simple questions like, how are they? How are you, how are you doing? Also, you, they might want to ask about whether they want to let others in the team know about the death. I, mean, mm -hmm. I suppose at some point, other people are going to hear about it. Yeah. So, um, but maybe maybe the person who's bereaved wants to tell those people themselves. So um, ask them what they would like you to do. Um, and if may, they may want to be contacted by their colleagues at work so they can offer their support condolences some people might like that, some people may not. So again, it's just about asking. Um, also, whether they need any information or support from you and see if you can signpost them to any support that's available to them. And if they've thought about returning to work, um, what their thoughts might be on that, how they might like to um, come back into work. What I mean by that is some um, people may have a slower start back in so they might come back part-time uh, and, and then gradually increase their hours up to what they were doing before um, or there there just may be some differences that they they want if it's for example a, par a, a parent that's lost their spouse 
they have may have an issue of childcare, they may need to change working hours so they can get their children to school. Yeah. So, you know, how can you best support that person? Yeah. So I, I, I think the thing is have lots of open communication and um just be try, try to be try to be helpful as much as possible and keep the communication lines open as well. That that's really key. And then that way you can have a much better chance of having that employee coming back to work um, feeling like they've been supported and feeling more ready to return to the workplace as well yeah um just following on from that sort of coming back to work um do you have advice for for businesses on you know how to um gradually get employees back to work obviously when so all the, the restrictions have been lifted um for advice for employers how they would actually bring people back in because it's not going to be something that's straightforward you can't just let everyone return i know they're talking about having um staggered um shifts and things like overlapping so that not everybody's back at the same time and 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 sort of bringing people slowly back into into the office yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think that's going to be very much governed by the rules that um, our, our government are now deciding upon. And we, we, we will hear more about that very shortly. Um, so I think the safety issues are the primary concern, and, and rightly they should be, about keep, keeping people safe at work. So I think whatever instructions your employer has about that, or, sorry, from, from the employer's perspective, yeah, you, you've got to follow what the advice is on keeping people as safe as possible. Uh, speaking from, so that's on a practical level, from an emotional level, what I would say to employers, though, is um, for, for people that are returning, so you could almost compare what's happened in the world right now to some kind of a trauma for many people this is something that we've never ever experienced before and who knows we'll ever experience it again in our lifetime but none of us have actually been ready or equipped for this so mm. i think there is an emotional aspect of this that will affect employees and i think um employers should give people a space to talk and, and i think whether the people have been bereaved or they've just been as i say partly traumatized from all of this i think there should be opportunities for people's um, voices to be heard for some well-being type of meetings just to check in on people see how they're doing does anyone need any extra support what can that employer put in place just you need to the, the employers need to make sure that their teams are are okay and uh, as much as can be uh, besides the, the practical uh, aspects of looking after them I, th I, I do think there is a responsibility towards their emotional well-being so i would say yeah make sure there are forums or some kind of way of allowing people to express how they've been feeling in lockdown and express how they feel also about returning to the workplace as well yeah um something that i was in quite interesting i was listening to uh, russell howard and his he had a, a birthday well a couple of months about a month ago and his girlfriend had organised a holiday, a surprise holiday, um, and obviously that then got cancelled, and and it obviously was no <laughs> no longer a surprise. But 
the the irony was that he was then the person that had to go and cancel everything um he had to go through the process of actually cancelling the flights and the hotels and everything and you know getting the money back and yeah. you could see he was absolutely devastated by by that um by that process and and that just sort of you know everyone's going to be grieving about everything at the moment you know the, yeah. and it's not just you know, loss loss of people and friends and, and restrictions. There's just going to be so many. It's just going to be the little things that are are out there that are, are going to cause so much grief, isn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I actually um, did write an article on this because when we first went into lockdown, I felt immediately uh, there were two things. I was thinking about people that are. Um, suffering with grief during this time and how difficult that's going to be for them but I also really felt the collective loss that people are feeling so people that have never experienced the the loss of a loved one but they are experiencing this overwhelming feeling of loss of everything they have known to be normal their whole life their work schools um I have to admit actually when I picked up my son on the last day of his school and, and it was his last year of primary mm-hmm. I had I actually had tears in my eyes and I couldn't stop myself I was so upset that he probably wouldn't go back to school and that, that was it for him primary school was over yeah. without all the parties and end of year trips so it, it's yeah there's collective loss is everywhere this sense of we've all been robbed of, of, of our lives and and, and, that, and that, that, as you say that's in the simple things holidays um not being able to see our friends, our families. I mean, it's a huge loss. Um, just, just, just going out for the day. You know, sim- the simple things we've lost, and it's really hard for people to grasp that. And um, so I thought about that, and I also realised with that, with a lot of that, comes anticipatory fear. Mm. So because people are experiencing this kind of overwhelming loss for the first time in their lives in some cases what happens with that is there's there's also a fear of what's to come next yeah so um there's a sense of a lack of control in their life because now suddenly everything is out of control it's it's almost like an existential anxiety isn't it absolutely a feeling will life ever be the same again and although we hope very soon to hear about some restrictions being lifted we know um, it's been said that until there's a vaccine, nothing is ever really going to be quite normal again mm. for us. And that is quite something to hear. You know, we, we weren't expecting this a few months ago. Nobody could have predicted this. And then all of a sudden, we have to deal with this. We, now we're seeing it called the new norm. And yeah. it is like a new norm. <laughs> yeah. It's going out with a, with a mask on is a new norm. And it's like something out of a bad movie. Um, so there's a huge amount of collective loss. And... And I think people need to recognise that is loss. And I know we don't have time to go into it now, but I would say um, something to look at is there is a change curve that is it's a useful theory that's helpful for understanding the impact of loss and stages of grief that we go through. And I think people are, are going through those stages even in terms of loss, in terms of what we just um, talked about here. So, yeah, absolutely, it's, uh, it's everywhere. And I think, again, it comes down to being compassionate to ourselves and to others. We're all in different places as well in this loss. Some are accepting it easier than others. And, and some have a, some have had an easier time of it than others in lockdown. You know, if, you, if you've got a nice big house and your job's secure, that's very different 
from having your income taken away from you, um, living in a flat with three kids, no garden. It's a very different experience. So yeah, um, I mean that's a term that's 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 been banded around that oh we're all in the same boat. We're we're not actually. We're all in the same sea. We're all but we're all in different boats. Yeah. You know, and that's that's something people need to to realise. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we need we need to be sensitive and understanding of the impact of what's like for um, people that are really really struggling. And um, yeah, it's about being compassionate in in those situations. I would say. Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on um, uh, the last day of school, and that's something I think people forget that there is a normal rite of passage throughout your child's development and, and schooling and life where there are sort of key moments that are expected so things like um like say when you you finish primary school you've got um the awards ceremonies and you've got the sort of the 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 final um activities games days and stuff like that sports days and that and then you go to the big school because then you'd have the transference so you have the integration to go to see the big school and and then you get to the end of school and then you have proms and leaving dues and you know you you it's the the last couple of months before you then separate and go to universities and you're probably never going to see those people again you know so have, have you got any advice for sort of parents how to sort of um deal with that with with children uh, it's so sad it is just really really sad because you're absolutely right it's it's a key moment in a, a child or as an adolescent's life that is it feels like it's been stolen from them literally just been grabbed out of their their hands they'll never have those same memories yeah. to look back on but, you know the memories of leaving school will be locked down and um it really it does upset me because so many children are experiencing this and, and obviously worse still for those um, children who can't do their GCSEs because of all the work they've put in and um, the, the, the sort of feeling of the disappointment, huge disappointment in them not being able to see the exams. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I suppose, what, 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 certainly I, for us, what we're doing in our parent group and we're quite a, a close group of, group of mums. We have said whatever happens um, with school, whether they go back or not, we are going to arrange when it's safe to do so a party for our children, yeah. so that they get a final time to say goodbye to each other. And and I don't quite know what you know how we're going <laughs> to do that yet. What 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 theme or what it might take, but um, to to at least it's something it's the marker yeah of their time together they've, they've been how many years at school together seven years at school at primary school and um it we feel we have to mark it in some way because yeah th- these children will all be going to different schools some will the same but they will be splitting up and um and also we hope to invite the teachers as well that's that's another aim of ours so yeah because so they want to go through the same process every, as well won't they? everyone together for one big party. I mean, we, it, they're not going to have the weekends the way that was planned, and they're not going to have the end of school plays. We, we can't capture that. But what we can do is one great big party yeah. to say goodbye to each other, and at least they've got something. There is something there that finalises and marks the end of that era. Yeah. So I would say that to other parents. If they're, if they're able to, 
you know, work something out with that year group, uh, with other parents, and see is there something that you can do with them to have some gathering, some party of some sort, when it's safe to do so, so that so that the children do get a, ta- a chance to say goodbye to their to their peers and to the teach get the teachers involved as well because I think the teachers are really sad. It's not it is the one thing is the kids, but I I really do think the teachers feel sad about it as well. Yeah, I um, mean it's just contrary to to popular belief, but teachers do actually like the kids. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean I, I really felt it from, from my son's teacher, and um, and I thought, oh God, if I start crying, she's going to start crying. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's I I do think that's that would be my suggestion. Try to do something where you you mark. Um, if it's just a one-day event, so be it. But they'll have that at least yeah. to take forward with them as, as they can move forward in their lives. Well, well, moving forward is definitely the sort of the, the main thing now. Is, is there something positive yeah. for the future? Do you think? Well, I hope so. I very much hope so. And I think without hope, we there is no purpose. Almost, you know, what, what are we striving for? So, um, I think one thing to hold on to is as awful as this is right now it will at some point end we have to remember that i mean it may it may be a year two years we don't know possibly when there is a vaccine when we can finally feel safe again but it will change and certainly as we're seeing in italy right right now the restrictions are being lifted and families are being reunited albeit very very slowly but we're not going to stay in lockdown forever so try to remember that, that that this this moment what won't be forever it will change and, and it will get better again um but i do think there's been a lot of talk about the um pausing and the reflecting in this moment because we've been forced to stop so we're like we're all sort of reevaluating our lives you know we're working from home families spending more time together and i, and I know I'm, I'm not being all sort of rosy and jolly about that it's hard for some families i know that yeah and and there's been we're hearing horrific cases of domestic abuse so it's not all lovely rose-tinted glasses for everyone but i'm gonna i'm gonna speak just in the main here that um a lot of people have enjoyed is the wrong word to use but it's people have sort of stops to reflect yeah. on what's important in their life i would say they've, they've kind of had an opportunity to to, to reflect on on different ways of living yeah absolutely different ways of living which it which is kind of i think important because it's something that we would never normally have had time to do we're so busy running around in our lives that we don't have time to stop and think and reflect just to think actually is this really what i want to be doing do i want to be doing this job where i'm traveling an hour two hours in the morning and in the evening and i've come home exhausted i can't enjoy my children so i think there are People are, are stopping to reflect. I mean, we're seeing amazing things happen with the planet. Like yeah, healing definitely. is recovering. So do we do we really want to go back to flying so many planes and traveling in our cars and damaging the planet as it was? You know, can we really do that and justify it now? Um, and, and I think it, it's just sort of, yeah, and people, people are becoming more self-sufficient. They've got more time to cook, to do gardening. And these are the kind of the basic things in life that, people aren't really beginning to enjoy again. Yeah. Um, and I think they've always been there, but we just haven't had time to do them. So my hope, and it really, really is my hope, that a little bit of this, what we've gone through right now, stays with us. This, this let, Let's cling on and let's hold on to that and let's do something with that, something positive where we say, okay, look, 
Thank, well, thankfully, we're going to get normality back at some point and we can get our lives back. But let's not totally eradicate what we've been through as meaningless, as pointless and just a really bad episode. Um, it is it is an awful episode. And cannot deny that. But I, I think the creating more meaning out of our lives if there was one thing to gain out of this all i'd say let it be that let us make some positive changes and let us keep to those changes yeah. I, I i really hope people aren't blase about it and just go back to all same old behaviors as before and and nothing no, no, nothing shifts or there's no there's no change in our um in our thinking and in, in our consciousness I, I hope that we can retain a little bit of this what people are experiencing and um because when something awful happens, and this is actually in the stages of loss, the, the last stage after acceptance is actually meaning. What can we make of all this that is meaningful and can change our life? And that is what I really hope that people will do with this experience, make something positive come from the devastation that's been caused by it, and and, and let there be some, some positive lasting changes. Definitely. Right, well... Thank you very much. It's, it's been wonderful to listen to you, um, and hopefully people can take some something from there. I mean, there's there's a lot of information. Um, they can come and find you on your your website and Facebook pages as well, and you've got courses that you've got lined up as well. So you've got lots of um, stuff out there now, and a lot of stuff to come. Um, so we'll, we'll put put links onto your your Facebook page um, with this as well, so they can find you. But it's been been lovely to talk to you likewise david really enjoyable thank you so much for having me on your podcast it's been um yeah great to to be able to talk about my work and uh, because i have felt right now it's uh it's been really pertinent actually and i have that's why i sort of felt a need to get writing straight away and there's so much i wanted to say about it so thank you very much for the opportunity really well, appreciate it. all the best with the course and we'll talk to you soon Thank you. Thanks, David. Take Thank care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.